Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Well, good morning. It is Easter Sunday morning, um, the day which Christians all over the world celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Um, and today, because of that, um, I have decided to take a bit of a detour from our study in the book of Acts to look at the resurrection. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered into the eastern gate of Jerusalem, um, which would have been... Um, on a Sunday, and now we are in the midst of uh, what is called the Passion Week or Holy Week, and um, of course, it the Passover here in Exodus chapter number 12 is where we're going to start, um, because this is what was foretold, and, and Jesus fulfilled this in his resurrection and his crucifixion. So, um, so I thought it appropriate that we would take a look at that. So, uh, Exodus chapter number 12 is where we're going to be. Good morning, Scott. Uh, remember that, uh, like I said, Jesus entered the gates on the 10th of Nisan, um, uh, which would have been a Sunday. And, uh, of course we just celebrated good Friday and, um, and of course, today would be Resurrection Sunday. Now, some people don't feel comfortable calling it Easter because it, it does come from the goddess Astarte, uh, which is where we get the rabbits and all of that. It was a uh, the early church um, appropriated that and made it a Christian part of the Christian holiday. But uh, I prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Resurrection Sunday for sure. So, so let's go ahead and what I'm going to talk about today is how Jesus Christ is our Passover. He fulfilled the Passover for us. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter number 12 and maybe some of you have already been down this road, maybe others not, um, but we're going to look at it and see how Jesus fulfilled the Passover in Exodus chapter number 12 to the T. So in Exodus chapter number 12, we'll read just verses one and two, and uh, we'll pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Um, Exodus 12, verse one, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of a month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and do ask that you go before us today. Thank you, Lord, for this Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate when you came back from the dead to forgive us of our sins. Father, offer eternal life to take our death, to take our punishment upon yourself and freely bestow it upon us, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes, see and our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand the things that you have for us through these passages that we study today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. <clears throat> so I've entitled this study, The Passover Lamb. Jesus fulfilled the Passover as was the Passover Lamb for not only the nation of Israel, but the world. So in Exodus chapter number 12, we have the story of the Passover. The Lord marks this new beginning for Israel by rearranging the calendar and the month of Abib becomes the beginning of their, their new year. Uh, today, it is known by the Jews as the month of Nisan, uh, N-I-S-A-N, Nisan. The name, took, name, name change took place during the Babylonian captivity, and it's pronounced Nisanu, uh, but, but the Jews call it Nisan. So in Exodus 12, he says, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It will be the first month of the year for you. So our Lord alters the calendar for the nation of Israel. The month of Abib becomes the month of Nisan. Now look in uh, Exodus uh, chapter 12, verse number three. Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall he make count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. So we're dealing with the same week here. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and on the upper posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover." For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. And understand, this was the, the final plague that God brought against the, the, the nation of Egypt for not letting the children of Israel go. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout all of your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day thou shalt be a holy con convocation, 
And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe this feast of unleavened bread, for in the selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at evening. Seven days shall there be no leavened bread in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or one born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations shall you eat, un shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel, um, and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of the house until morning." For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come into the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye will say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped, and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. So we, here we have the institution of the Passover. It's the 10th plague, is the final plague before Pharaoh was going to let the children of Israel go to worship their God in the wilderness. But what we see through this, and what I'm going to point out this morning, is that the Lord, our Christ, was our Passover lamb. He fulfilled all of this to the T. He fulfilled the Passover. And he does fulfill the feasts. And that's a completely different study. But we see here, he became the Passover lamb. And what we've seen here in verses 3 through 28 is God giving them instruction for an observance that would take place every year from then forward. And you know, this may all seem like a bit of Jewish history until we read the words of John the Baptist when he said in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, if you just read that in its context without knowing what happened in Exodus chapter number 12, it wouldn't mean much. But the fact that he said, Behold the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. 
And then Paul echoed these words in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 7 when he said, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In every detail, the Passover looks back to the time that God's judgment passed over the houses, but only the houses that had the Lamb's blood applied to them. And yet it also looks forward to the ultimate Passover sacrifice of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, our Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. So let's take a closer look at the passage here in Exodus, and see how Jesus fulfilled each of these things in his life, his ministry, in his death, and his resurrection, ultimately. So, number one, notice that the Passover lamb was to be selected on the 10th day of Nisan. This is the new beginning of month, the 10th day of Nisan. Looking Exodus 12, 3, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So on the tenth day of Nisan, the lamb was to be selected. And we know that on this very same day, In 32 AD, Jesus was with his apostles, and we spoke about this last week as we celebrated Palm Sunday. And he said, go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find an ass tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. So this very same day, Jesus entered the gates of Jerusalem voluntarily submitting himself to be selected as the sacrificial lamb to fulfill the Passover on the 10th day of Nisan. And then notice number two, that the lamb was to be an unblemished male. In Exodus 12, verse number five, the lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it from the sheep, or from the goats. I looked up that word unblemished. It means to be not damaged or marked in any way. It means to be perfect. So too, Jesus had to be perfect. The Passover lamb had to be unblemished, without sin, without fault. In John eighteen thirty-eight, Pilate saith unto them, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in this man. The Bible says he knew that Jesus had done nothing. He knew that the religious leaders were purely motivated by envy. Also in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19, it says, But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
So he's speaking about redemption. We have been redeemed, uh, not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our vain lives that we received by tradition from our fathers, but instead we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we see number two, Jesus was to be, or the Passover lamb was to be an unblemished male. So Jesus was an unblemished male. And then notice the third thing. This is interesting. I could go off in all kinds of directions on this one, but Notice also that the Passover lamb was to be kept among them for what amounted to be three and a half days. So if it was selected on the 10th, <coughs> which would have been Sunday, uh, it had to stay with them for three and a half days. In Exodus 12, 6, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day. So 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So, so too, Jesus entered in through the eastern gate on the 10th day of Nisan. He walked the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days before he was arrested. He was tried and sentenced on the 14th day of Nisan. And that 14th and 15 gets a little tricky uh, because how much time did he spend on the cross? Well, we normally celebrate Friday, uh, which is the Friday that just passed, Good Friday. But some would say he was actually killed on the 14th, which was that Thursday. But it says it was to be killed at evening, and evening marked the beginning of the next day in the Jewish calendar, or the Jewish week. Uh, the Jewish day begins at evening, at 6 p.m. sunset each day, the next day, Begin so that can make for a little bit of confusion. Um, but Jesus entered in through the gate for t on the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 13th. He walked around, he was rested on the 14th, and of course, he was he was uh at sundown. And that's the fourth thing the lamb was to be killed on the 14th at evening. Um, in Exodus 12, 6, same verse, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening or at evening, which would be sunset, which would mark the next day. Um, and again, that's a totally different Bible study, how you want to break that down. Uh, but so too, Jesus was killed in the evening of the 14th at Nisan. Now, whether that be at 6 p.m. and now he's on the 15th, or if it was at, you know, right before that on the 14th. Uh, but the bottom line is the same ones that had three and a half days earlier cried, cried Hosanna at his triumphal entry, which we celebrated as Palm Sunday. Those same ones three days later are cried, crucify him and let his blood be upon us and our children. So, so the fourth thing is the lamb was to be killed on the 14th of Nisan at evening. And then the fifth thing, notice that the blood of the lamb was to be applied. Uh, the blood of the lamb was to be applied to the top and the sides of the door. Notice that the blood of the lamb was to be applied to the top and the sides of the door. Notice in Exodus 12, 7, and they shall take 
of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat. So notice the blood had to be applied and it had to be applied exactly like they were instructed to apply it. It had to be applied at the top, the lintel, and then it had to be applied to the sides. Good morning, Terry. So <clears throat> the blood had to be applied exactly like they were instructed. They couldn't put it anyplace else. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered into the holy place, having, excuse me, obtained eternal redemption for us. So I think that's speaking specifically to the nation of Israel. The whole book of Hebrews, by the way, is, is, is written to the Hebrews. And I am not a Hebrew, neither are you, I don't think. Uh, but, uh, but it also applies to us. I mean, the blood um, had to be applied in order for the, for the, for the, for the, uh, for the Lord not to kill the people that were in the house. The blood had to be applied. That's the main point. And then the sixth thing is that the lamb had to be roasted in fire. The lamb had to be roasted in fire. In Exodus 12, 8, it says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night roasted with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall ye eat it. So too, Jesus endured the fire of God's judgment, taking the punishment of the world's sin upon himself. In other words, as this lamb became a burnt offering, so Jesus was a burnt offering for us. He literally became the burnt offering for the world, therefore paying our sin debt. In the Old Testament, the burnt offering was made twice per day as an atonement for the sins of the nation. It was the first offering that Noah made when he came off the ark. In Genesis 8, 20, it says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings. And of course, it was to atone for sin. It was to atone for his sin and the sins of his family. Um, and then also Abraham offered up a burnt offering um, in Genesis chapter 22, when it says, And he said, Take now thine son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering. So Abraham was willing to offer his own son as a burnt offering, yet God spared Isaac. And later, and Abraham proceeded with the burnt offering, but with another lamb that was caught in a thicket. And there's tremendous prophetical uh, uh, value in that verse. That's a completely different message for another day. But the bottom line is Jesus became the burnt offering to permanently atone or take away our sins. In other words, Jesus, by his willing sacrifice, became the burnt offering for our sins and a permanent burnt offering. And the whole book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus was the one. The priests in the Old Testament had to continually make sacrifice because their sacrifices were not perfect. Their sacrifice only temporarily atoned for the, for the sins of the nation. So therefore, 
Since they were never permanently atoned for, they had to be continually made. Until Jesus came, the perfect sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice, the final sacrifice that was needed. So just as the lamb was to be roasted in fire, so too our Lord was a burnt offering for you and me. And then the seventh thing that we notice in regards to this is that they had to eat the lamb. They had to eat the lamb. In Exodus 12, 11, it says, and thus shall ye eat it. They had to appropriate it. They had to internalize it. Okay. So too, we must appropriate, we must internalize Jesus. Now for centuries, the church has done this through the communion table. Uh, through the communion table. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, the Apostle Paul says, and when he, when he had given thanks, of course, he's, he's quoting our Lord, and in your Bibles, this is red letters, because this is what Jesus said. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped it, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Now, for most of us, this is purely a symbolic act. Um, it's just symbolically we are celebrating uh, the, the body and the blood of Christ on the cross. While for some, it's a literal act, and that would mostly be those of the Roman Catholic faith who teach uh, transubstantiation, which is the body or the bread and the wine literally become the body and the blood of Christ. And the church has fought over that for years, whether it be transubstantiation or con alongside substantiation. Um, but either way, the entire event looked forward to the new covenant that God was going to make with the nation of Israel, okay? Um, and has very little to do with the body of Christ, which is the church, because the covenant, none of the covenants are for us as a church. They are for the body of Christ. And the Lord, when he did that last supper, he was willing to make that new covenant with the nation of Israel had they accepted him as their Messiah and had they accepted his offer of the kingdom as it was given by the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two. Well, that didn't happen and the new covenant didn't happen. Okay. So we are not under the new covenant by any stretch of the imagination. The new covenant was put off because the Jews rejected their Messiah. Hey, Jesse, the Jews rejected their Messiah. So the new covenant, we are not in the new covenant. Now, I know in your Bible, you know, you look between Malachi and Matthew and there's this little blank white page that says New Testament. Uh, but we do not, we're not under the New Testament. So really... You know, and I hate to rock your world. Um, communion has very little to do with the body of Christ. Now, I don't have a problem with us celebrating it. Nothing wrong with us looking inward and seeing our sin and, you know, and, and making ourselves right with God and 
you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, Judy, there's nothing wrong with that. But you, we need to understand, first and foremost, communion has to do with the new covenant. And the new covenant is going to be made with the nation of Israel, not with us. Um, so, so the seventh thing is that they had to eat the lamb. They had to appropriate the lamb. They had to internalize the lamb. Uh, and then the eighth thing is that none of its bones were to be broken. None of its bones were to be broken. In Exodus 12 and verse 46, it says, In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. So not, a, not, not one bone of the lamb was to be broken. In the crucifixion account, you'll remember none of Jesus's bones were broken. Why? To fulfill to the T perfectly the Passover lamb. Uh, in John 19, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, this is John 19, 31, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> they wanted to get them dead before they could celebrate uh, the Passover. For the Sabbath day was a high day. They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. And then in verse 34, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. Why did he pierce his side? To see if he was truly dead. And he saw that it, he saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith is true that you might believe for these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him should not be broken. So not as, as the Passover lamb, not one bone was to be broken. So in fulfillment of that Passover lamb, Jesus, not one bone of his was broken. Again, Jesus is fulfilling uh, the Passover. And then notice in verse number nine, or, or notice the night thing. They had to eat it ready to go. In uh, Exodus 12, 11 again, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You will eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. So they were to eat it ready to go, because after this, Pharaoh was going to tell them, get out of my sight. I don't want to see you. Take your stuff and leave. Okay. So we too need to live our lives ready to go. We need to live our lives ready to go at a moment's notice. We should be ready to go. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So too, we need to be ready to go. We are not looking for the second coming. We are looking for the rapture of the church. The church one day is going to be 
changed and we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. We are looking for the rapture and the church has to be moved out of the way so that God can deal again with the nation of Israel and fulfill Daniel's 70th week. Okay? So we too must be ready to go. We need to live our lives like the Lord could come back any day now. And guess what? The Lord could come back any day now. You know, the last portion, major portion of prophetical scripture that I see to be fulfilled was the regathering of the nation of Israel in 1948 back into the land in fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecies in 36, 37, 38, 39 in that area. And once that happened, I mean, we're just living in the falling away now. We're living when, we're living in, in the time when, you know, people don't want anything to do with God. The very next thing that is to happen, according to the Bible, is the rapture of the church. When God completes the body of Christ, when that last Gentile or that last person, it could be Jew or Gentile, the church is Jew and Gentile alike. When that last one comes in, uh, the Lord's going to take us home to be with him. So we need to live ready to go because we don't know when that could happen. I mean, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen today. It could happen 100 years from now. I don't know. But the Bible says we need to live in expectation. We need to live like it could happen every day. Imagine what a purifying thought that would be if we woke up every morning saying to ourselves, this could be the day. And if you live like that, you're going to have your house in order because this could be the day. Imagine someone comes to you or to me and says, today is your last day on earth. You know, what would you do? What would you need to make right? What would you need to set in order? So that's the way we need to live our lives because the Lord, we need to live ready to go. And then the 10th thing, notice that the blood that the, uh, notice also that the blood on the household caused God's judgment to pass over the home. So if they went out, they done exactly what God told them to do. They took the blood, they used the hyssop, and they applied it to the lintel, the doorpost. It would cause God's judgment to pass over the home. In Exodus 12, 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So too, when we accept Christ, when we accept what Christ did on the cross for us, judgment passes over us. Um, in Ephesians chapter two, verse number 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off, speaking of the Gentiles, have been made nigh how? By the blood of Christ. We have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. When in speaking to the Hebrews, in Hebrews 9.13, For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot, to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 
And again, that's directed at the nation of Israel. We were all saved from judgment by the blood that was applied. It has to be applied. And once it's applied, God's judgment will pass over us. The only way for any of us to escape the word of God or to escape the judgment of God is to apply the blood. Now, we don't physically apply the blood necessarily to our doorpost, but we do accept the blood uh, that Christ shed for us. And Paul made this clear in Romans 3.23 when he said, So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and do that same thing, do you think that God, that, that you will escape God's judgment? So there is judgment coming. And the only way around that judgment is by accepting the sacrifice that was made on our behalf by our Lord Jesus Christ. And in so doing, we're applying the blood, we're accepting the sacrifice, and God's judgment will pass. And then the 11th thing, and this is where we start wrapping up. Notice that once the lamb was killed, no leaven was to be eaten or found in the house. In Exodus 12, 15, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. And whosoever eateth the leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off. Um, I like that. You made the, uh, Scott mentioned you're making the sign of the cross with the blood as you're applying it. Connecting the blood on the doorpost, the lintel and the basin would form a cross, the token or the sign of the cross. Um, and I would assume that might be where we get that whole sign thing that the, that they do. That's a thought. I've never thought of that before, where it came from. You know, we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how they make that connection, but um, it definitely formed uh, a cross. So seven days you shall you eat the unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth it from the first day to the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So notice, once the lamb was killed, no leaven was to be eaten or found in home. Leaven in the Bible is a picture or a type of sin. And once we have accepted the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, we will not, by any stretch of the imagination, become sinless. We do not teach sinless perfection. You do not become sinless, but you do sin less. <laughs> uh, but we will become righteous in God's eyes. That's the point. We become righteous in God's eyes. Uh, Paul said in Romans 4.21, and being fully persuaded, speaking of Abraham, that he had promised, that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So when I hear someone say, well, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not right, I don't feel righteous. Well, you're not righteous. The righteousness that we have is imputed righteousness. In other words, we are, we are wearing Christ's righteousness. It's an imputed righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, speaking of Abraham, but for us also, whom it shall be imputed if we believe that Jesus, that, that believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. 
who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So we too, uh, we should not allow sin into our lives or at least purposeful sin. We shouldn't be walking in sin. I mean, we should purposefully be trying to purge sin out of our lives by walking in righteousness. Now, we're not going to become sinless, but we can become righteous, the imputed righteousness of Christ. Uh, John spoke of that in 1 John 3, 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, and whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Now, again, John is writing to the nation of Israel, but what he's saying is true. Um, if we're walking in him, it means that we're not walking in willful disobedience to him. We should be trying to purge that leaven. We should be seeking righteousness, but it's that righteousness that has already been imputed to us. So it's not a work, if you will. I'm not trying to be righteous. I am righteous. And my good works don't make me righteous because I'm already righteous because it's a righteousness. It's just a subtle line there. I'm already righteous, but it doesn't mean that I should go and just walk in blatant sin. No, I'm, I'm righteous, so therefore I should live a righteous life. Um, so no yeast was to be found. I hope, I hope that made sense. Um, our righteousness comes from Christ. Our righteousness does not come from what we do or from what we say. Uh, it's a righteousness that is imputed are given to us and dued upon us, if you will. And then notice in verse 29 that judgment fell on all those who did not apply the blood to the doorpost of their homes that night. And of course, in, um, let me read that, um, Exodus 12 and verse number 29, he says, and it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne until the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and even the firstborn of the cattle. So judgment fell on those who did not apply the blood. So too, those who rejected our Lord were shut up in blindness, speaking mostly to the Jews, and ultimately perished because of their unbelief. But we too, if we don't do things God's way, by accepting his son, by believing the gospel, and that's all we have to do is believe. It's not believe and do. Faith plus anything is works. It's faith plus nothing or belief plus nothing equals salvation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So we are to believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? In a nutshell, it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hello, Otis. God bless you, buddy. 
Um, and when we believe that, we will escape the judgment that is to come. The verses that Paul speaks there about the death and the burial and the resurrection contain the only hope for a lost and dying world, and that is the gospel. So as we look back and review here, we see that Jesus Christ, by going to the cross, literally fulfilled Exodus chapter number 12 and became the Passover lamb for the sins of the world. So just a, a beautiful thought. So today we're celebrating the resurrection. I call it Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and we see that Christ came in on the 10th of Nisan. He was uh, selected as the Passover lamb. He was among the people, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, which would have been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then sometime on Thursday, he was arrested. He was tried and crucified. And then the 15th, 16th, 17th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he rose from the dead. He is risen. <laughs> he is risen indeed. And the fact that he is risen, so too we placed our hope, we place our hope and our trust in him. As he rose from the dead, so too we will rise from the dead. One day this this mortal will put on immortality. One day this uh, terrestrial will put on celestial. Uh, one day this, uh, this, this body will become a glorified body. You know, one day we'll be with him. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. He took our sins upon himself so that we might have eternal life. And the only way for us to appropriate that is by simply believing. Believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating today. I can't even, you know, I just want to explode, you know. I mean, that is what we live for. That's what we die for, is the resurrection of our Lord. It was proof that he was an acceptable sacrifice before his father. And now he sits at the right hand of God where he makes intercession for you and for me. And one glorious day, he's going to come back for you and me. And that's going to be the rapture of the church when he takes us home to be with him. And we'll be together forever in his presence. So he is risen he is risen indeed. God bless you guys. I love you and I appreciate you uh, tuning in today. And um, I wish we could be together. I wish I could see. I wish we could all just be sitting in a room together, you know, just uh, rejoicing in what God has done for us. But I love you guys. And I pray that you have an awesome, awesome, awesome resurrection day. God bless you. Until we meet again. <laughs>